Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. So I am super excited to jump into the story project next week. But we've been talking uh, for almost a month now about these four questions for a better you. And so far, we've talked about three of them. We've talked about a question for enduring happiness. A simple question, what am I afraid of? And then we talked about a question that is useful in life's most complicated, impossible situations. What is loving and true? And then last week, we talked about this idea of what to do with offenses and when I'm feeling a bit judgy with a question that asks, when did I receive grace? But we saved this one for last because... Today, I want to talk about a question that's helpful in dating and marriage and getting along. My wife asked me what I was talking about this weekend last night, and I told her, and she rolled her eyes at me. (laughs) So here we go. I talked to lots of couples, and often the Uh, The issue comes down to how do we get along? Like, how how do we navigate this conflict? And I've discovered that there's one question I most often have to ask myself in my relationship with Tammy. And it's a question that it often comes down to for couples when we're in conversation. So I thought we'd talk about that this weekend before we moved on to the story project. But it's the kind of question that needs a little bit of background. We, we, need, to, we need to set the stage, as it were, and give the backstory to how the Bible explains relationships between men and women, husbands and wives. Uh, In fact, I am going to dive into this, and I would tell you up front, this is a Christian understanding of how God created men and women to work together. And it's worth talking about because there is a lot of misunderstanding about this. And it's also a biblical understanding. And I get that you may be here today, and you baby Ben, I haven't bought into this yet. I'm just exploring. I'm not sure if I actually believe this Jesus thing. And I get it. So you can kind of lean in, look, listen, and see what you think. Now, if you're a Christ follower, this is the roadmap that God has given us for marriage and relationship. So here's something you should know about the Bible. It starts and it ends. It has a beginning book and an ending book. 
And in between these 64 other books come together to tell one grand story of God's work in the world through the person of Jesus Christ. But if you want a glimpse of God's intent, what he really wanted all of this to look like, you'll have to go back to the very first chapter and the very last chapter. Those two chapters give us a window into God's design. So that's where I want to begin. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our mankind, literally, in our image, to be like us. And then it says this, They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along. In other words, God is creating men and women together to rule over, to have dominion over, to lead in his creation. Verse 27 says, So God created human beings, in his own image. And in case there was any doubt, he says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is such an important passage because it reminds us that from the very beginning, God's intent was that men and women would lead in God's creation together. Now, there's another passage in Revelation, and it's worth going to. Revelation chapter 22 is the very last chapter in your Bible. Here's what it says in verse 3. It says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. So if you're familiar with the, the, the narrative, the arc of the Bible, you know that the whole of the Bible tells this story of God's creation. We, we, we sum it up in four chapters. Creation, fall, Creation, how God made everything. Fall, how everything got broken. Redemption, how Jesus came into the world to change it. And then final chapter, restoration, how God is rebuilding and putting everything back together again. And in the very last chapter, in this verse, he uses these words. There will no longer be a curse upon anything. The curse is gone. God's plan. He's got it back to where he intended it. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no more, uh, no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they, it's men and women, you and I, will reign forever and ever. Well, there it is, right back to God's intent. Men and women leading together side by side. I've talked about this before, but it was worth repeating and coming back and laying this groundwork for the question. Of course, that's just the, the first chapter and the last chapter. And as you know, there's a lot that happens between the first and the last chapter. A whole Bible's worth of wow. We call it the fall, the brokenness, the curse. Sin enters into the world, and with sin, whew, a whole lot of trouble. 
That's why this ideal that God created us for and is moving us back towards is so hard. In fact, in the third chapter of Genesis, there's, there's one short passage that puts this together. Genesis 3.16. It's talking now about the curse, the famous eating of the fruit and Adam and Eve hiding themselves and being discovered by God. And then it says this. It says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain will give you birth. We've been debating what that verse means ever since. But this next part is in sight. It says, and you will desire to control your husband and he will rule over you. Man, this verse means a lot of things, but here's one thing that's straightforward and right on the top. It's telling us that, man, conflict has entered the world. There is going to be tension in your relationships. And the only people that don't believe this are people that haven't gotten married yet. <laughs> that was the advice for dating. Now that I've got that out of the way, man, conflict is real and it's everywhere. And we're trying to navigate it. I mean, this whole. Genesis 1, Revelation 22, get along, go along thing. What? Where did that go? Well, the real world enters in in this tension, this conflict. We want our way. So God has a plan for this, and it's a plan that, that mirrors his grand design. It mirrors Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. It's calling us back to it. In other words, this is God's design that you and I, men and women, husbands and wives, come along in marriage and they team up together. In fact, it lays it out in Ephesians chapter 5, this great passage where Paul talks about the marriage relationship. Chapter 5 and verse 21 gives us God's plan. This is what it's meant to look like, husbands and wives. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's his plan. That's it. You don't get to go to verse 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 until you read verse 21. This is his design. Husbands, wives, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's his plan. That's when we're closest to looking like Genesis 1 and Revelation chapter 22. That's when our marriages are most harmonious. When we are submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Works beautifully every time. Sort of. We're not always that good at implementing it. <laughs> Sometimes. Woo. So what do we do? Man. What do we do? Well, it turns out 
God has a backup plan. Because he knows we live in a broken world. (laughs) We're not always doing what we're supposed to do. And often it's that last inch. We call it 50-50 and it ends up 49 and a half, 49 and a half. And we're fighting over that last little bit in the middle. So in the next verse, he gives what I call the backup plan. Listen, if you're, if, if you're not living out verse 21, here's what he says. These are the, the verses that are controversial. But let me hold your judgment and let me try and explain them. Verse 22 says, for wives... This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Mm. In other words, uh, wives, let him lead. (laughs) This is what I told Tammy. I said, I'm preaching on. She says, what? (laughs) You better preach the whole passage. I promise I will, hon. This means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. I love uh, the word yield. In, in our conversation, it captures the, the essence of this passage. Yielding to each other. Wives means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. But, but it's not done there. It goes on to say, for husbands... This means love your wives. But this is not garden variety love. This is going back to verse 21. This is, this is next level submission. Here's what it says. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. In other words, wives, listen, when everything else is broken in the context of marriage, by the way, don't try and apply this outside of marriage. This isn't meant for you and your coworkers. This isn't meant for every grand mistake everybody wants to make. In the context of marriage, and listen, in your relationship, husbands and wives, here, here's an idea. Wives, yield to your husband's leadership. And then it says, husbands... Yield to your wives out of sacrificial love. Let him lead. You yield first, husbands. I like, I brought this along. Y'all remember? You remember this guy? I just brought it because I know you've never seen one of these, have you? It's true. He's like, man, that thing is brand new. That's because nobody, nobody likes these signs. Man, yield. Man. So let me, let me try and draw an analogy, if I can. And it's imperfect, but I hope it's helpful. It, it's like he's saying, hey, for this, for this to work... There's going to have to be some rules of the road. You live in a broken world. I'm just telling you, you're you're going to come to an impasse. You're not going to be able to figure it out. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be angry. You're going to be saying the most 
violent things in your head and if you're not careful, out of your mouth. So let me give you some rules. He says, I'm going, here's what I'm going to do. Husbands, I'm going to give you the right of way. So on the road, we understand right of way. Driving down the road, I'm going to give you the right of way. And wives are going, I don't like this message. Hold with me. My wife's going to be here, so I got to do this. I'm going to do this justice. And it's not justice for her, it's biblical justice. So just hang tight with me. I'm giving you the right of way to lead. However, you're, now, you got to follow my analogy here. We're, okay, we're on the road, right? Yeah, yeah. I know what it's like in the town you live in. I happen to live here in Falmouth. If you drive downtown, like in the summer, traffic's crazy. It's just, and, and, and people. So, so here's, here, here's how I envision it. It's like he said, he said, husbands, your wife has a permanent crosswalk. She has a permanent crosswalk. So, <laughs> when you're going to sacrifice your right of way to protect her. You know what it's like when you're, when you're driving through downtown. I don't know what it's like in your town. Like, it wasn't this way in Springfield where I grew up. But here, 100%. Like, somebody puts one toe in that crosswalk. Traffic's, like, screeching to a stop. And that crosswalk, right of way. And, and, and what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, like, husbands, you may have the lead, but your wife has the crosswalk. And when you, your job, like when you see that you stop, you give up your right of way, you sacrifice your agenda and journey and right of way to protect and take care of her. That's the design. Now, you say, well, how does that work? Well, <laughs> do you see what it's doing here? It's right back to mutuality. It's right back. It's like, who goes first? Who's in charge? What? It's right back to verse 21. In other words, these verses around are a, they're, they're a system of leading us back to God's design that we would yield ourselves one to another just like God intended from the very beginning. And the very best marriages are the ones where husbands and wives are yielding themselves to one another. Just like God intended. So here's the question. And it's hard to ask in the heat of the moment. But wow, does it work. What would yielding look like? What would yielding look like? In this moment, in this, in this conflict, in this tension, in this... Whew, 
Just, some of you came in this morning and if you could have sat three seats apart, you would have. Man, it's just, what would, what would yielding look like in this moment with this person? I, um, I wrote down uh, five things, and I just wanted to take a few minutes and just walk through these five with you. They're just, uh, they're drawn from years of conversations with couples, but more honestly, if I'm being truthful, they're drawn from 32 years of trying to live out a marriage where I have to stand up and preach every Sunday. And she gets to say, didn't you just say on Sunday? <laughs> yes, I did. No, that doesn't count. That's not fair. I just want to show you five ways that yielding and this question works. Five ways. It's just powerful. It's God's intent from the very beginning. Husband, wives, submit yourselves. Yield to one another. Here's the first. It's the tangible, I love you. Listen, I know flowers are good, but you really want to show her, I love you? Yield your right of way. This is why confession. This is why it's so hard to share food. So, like, Tam, I'll be like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order some takeout. You want anything? No, I'll just have some of yours. <laughs> no, really, honey, we can afford it. I'm going to buy you your own. No. See, I don't mind sharing when I've got something left over at the end I don't want to eat perfectly good with that. Not crazy about leftovers anyway. But before, before I even order, you want me to commit to giving you first dibs? No, 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 a thousand times no. I'll just order something random that I like so she can have the first thing I ordered. You want a tangible way to say, I love you. Yield your right of way. Works every time. If you're taking notes and writing things down, here's a second one. I call it a gentle startup. Um, John Gottman wrote uh, one of what I think is one of the best books on marriage and relationships. It's called Seven Keys uh, to an Effective Marriage. And it is, uh, it, it is the result of years and years worth of research. I've, I've talked about it here before. Um, in it, he, they, they did research wherein they, they identified four predictors. Like when they saw these four things, they could predict divorce with an over 90% accuracy rate. Terrifying. They had, a, they, had, they had a lab, true story. They had a lab, they call it the love lab, which is the creepiest name for a lab ever. 
and they did the research there and they, they came years and years and years of study and they ended up coming up with what they called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They were four things that, man, when you see these things, watch out. Well, the very first one was the one they said was the highest predictor of couples that weren't going to make it. And it was criticism laced with contempt. See, contempt, criticism is just criticism, but criticism laced with contempt. Contempt is moral superiority. They said, man, when you, when, when that enters into a relationship, watch out. But they said the one thing they saw in couples who knew how to handle it was a, what they called a gentle startup. It was, it was a soft reply. And that's what this question does. In the middle of... What would yielding look like? What would it look like? A, a gentle response... Because that's not our reaction, is it? I went off Cape uh, a week or two ago, and uh, I had forgotten about bridge traffic and construction. And all of you people who drive over the bridge to come to Cape Cod Church, we love you. <laughs> My goodness, come on. There are a lot of them. I was coming, I was coming back, and, and they've got it where it's, the sign says, lane ends, lane ends, lane ends, right? So you start moving over, and you're getting down from three or lanes to two or whatever it is. Lane ends, lane ends. And now you're just sitting in traffic. And here it comes. I'm looking at the side view mirror. Here comes the person driving up that lane, driving, 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 like they didn't see the sign a mile back all the way up to the front. One car right in front of me. I had a perfect view. You could feel the tension in the traffic. Everyone was angry. But the woman in front of me was having none of it. She got up to the bumper of the car in front of her with like an inch, so there was no way anyone was going in. When that car moved an inch, she moved an inch. She went, and this guy was trying, and it went on that way about 100 yards. Man, I was so proud of that woman. <laughs> What is he thinking? He knew. He didn't have the right. And then it was my turn. And I was soft. I was so soft. Get in there. I was afraid it might be someone from the church, so I just. <laughs> you never know. It's not worth it, you know. 31 years of ministry down the tank. (laughs) 
Man, let me, tell you, let me ask you, if that's you and the car that pulls up next to you, you look over and it's your wife or your husband. Some of you are like, ain't letting them in, not letting them in. <laughs> I can't help you, I can't. What would yielding look like is a question that just allows us to have a gentle startup in a tense situation. Here's something else. The question, what would yielding look like, helps me to prioritize problems. Here's what I mean by that. Not every issue you have is a 10. It can't be a 10. If everything, if everything that comes up in your life, everything you fight about is a 10 on a 1 to 10 scale, you 100% are the problem. Everything can't be a 10. And when, when I ask the question, what does yielding look like, it helps me to prioritize. Is this your 10 and my 5? Because some things for you are a 10. I get it. And some things for me are like, no, that's a non-negotiable. Can't, I can't. And marriage is built like this. It's, it's what my dad taught me when he was teaching me to drive. He called it the law of bigger cars. How many of you learned the law of bigger cars when you were a kid? Law of bigger cars means you may have the right of way, but if it's an 18-wheeler, he has the right of way. Like, don't fight that battle. Like, and, and, and oftentimes in, in, in marriage, it's, a, it, it's a, a game of measuring, of prioritizing, of recognizing this thing for you is heavy. It's not that big of a deal for me, but man, for, I, I get it. For you, it's just heavy. And when I ask the question, what would yielding look like? I'm beginning the process of prioritizing and finding out what's heavy and weighty to you and to me. Here's a fourth. It helps me, and this is this is for those of you who aren't yet married. It helps me to filter who I want to commit to. Now just hear me out. If you're, if you're single and you're considering marriage, you're, you're dating, you're looking, you're open, you're like, God sends somebody... Deep down underneath, one of the questions you're going to have to ask yourself, is this someone I would want to yield to? What would yielding to this person look like? Because that's what marriage requires. And if you're in a relationship with someone who always requires you to yield. Oof. This is why in 2 Corinthians 6, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with those who don't believe. Because here's what happens. 
marriage is very much about walking, is like, is like driving along together and figuring out who's yielding to who in this moment in time. But when you find yourself in a relationship where you're just, you're just coming at the world from different angles, you're not driving in the same direction. You're playing chicken. And every, I mean, I mean, it just, and, and life ends up feeling like, man, we're in a, we're in a death match to see you because we just see everything differently. And so this question is helpful when you're sort of stepping back and saying, what would it look like to yield myself to this person? And my guess is. Along the journey, you're already figuring out. Because that question is not, am I attracted to this person? Are they good looking? Will they take good care of me? Do they have a good job? Do I like their parents? Can I fix them? <laughs> Just throwing that in. That's not the question. The question then is, what would yielding look like? There's one last benefit to this question. It helps me to see solutions I wouldn't have seen otherwise. This question sort of protects you from you. You see, when, when you stop and you ask, what would yielding look like? You're pausing just long enough to hear, to watch, To learn something. It's like merging into traffic in a rotary. I mean, you can, you can try just going 60 miles an hour and never tapping the brakes and heading through the rotary. It works sometimes. And other times it just ends in a disastrous accident. But something happens when I recognize, hey, I'm coming up to a, a, a point of conflict. I'm going to slow down here. I'm going to ask myself the question, what would yielding look like? And I'm going to watch. Because what happens is you're, 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 you're watching for an opening in the traffic. That's what this question does. It just, it just slows me down long enough to listen, to look how fast you're going, to look where there's an opening, to look where I fit in, to look how we're going to be able to travel together. You see, we're right back to God's design. Husbands, wives, submit to one another. Yield to one another. This is what I made you for. And when you do, what an incredible gift marriage becomes. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I just want to finish by praying. I, I, I know that simple words and a few good laughs along the way 
don't take away the real tension and struggle that sometimes occupies our marriages, our homes, our dreams, and our relationships. But Christ has given us a way. In fact, he showed us how to do it. When he came into this world and surrendered himself for us. And he leaves it as an example for husbands and wives together. Father, my prayer for couples is when we find ourselves locked in what seems an impossible battle, that we would turn to you and then to one another. And we would ask ourselves, what would yielding look like? And we pray, Father, that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to answer that question wisely and to follow it courageously. Thank you for the gift of home, of family, marriage, and what it looks like to live this out together. We pray. In Jesus' name.